to be able to do that. I also want to have, you know, make the announcement that our women this Saturday are going to uh, be meeting here at the church for a time of fellowship and uh, craft making. So if you are a craft maker, please come. If you don't know how to make crafts, please come. Somebody will teach you how to make one. Okay, so let's come and have a great time. But that's the women. That's going to be this Saturday in what time? 9 to 9.30. That's only 30 minutes of craft making? Oh, that's the show up time. Okay, I'm sorry. Anywhere in between 9 and 9.30, you can show up, but you're going to be making crafts all day long. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much, dear Lord, for this day. Uh, you know, God, as we join together, dear Lord, with one heart at one table, worshiping you, the one and true God today, dear Lord, I pray, God, that you would be with us. God, I pray, dear Lord, as we worship you right here uh, in, uh, you know, in Rock Hill, God, that you would be with all the other churches that's here in the, in the county, in the state, and, and God, across this United States, God, I pray that you would be with those. And God, we take this moment right now, dear Lord, to pray for the conflict that is going on in Ukraine. And God, we pray for the innocent lives that are being lost. And God, we pray, dear Lord, that a solution, dear Lord, will uh, you know, quickly be brought together, dear Lord, and that uh, you know, lives will be saved through this. God, I pray, dear Lord, that as always, God, your sovereign plan, dear Lord, would work out. And God, that, uh, you, know, that you would be seen. God, we do thank you and we praise you. And God, we ask that you would be in all that situation. But God, be with us today. Holy Spirit, we invite you to move in our midst and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, before you sit down, Miss Terry's coming up. You better shake those pockets. You got it? She's got a task for you. Y'all know how we do this. Get your dollars out of your pockets. Our children are going to come collect your change. You can sit down. After you get your money out, you can sit down. We'll take a check, too, if you don't have change. Apple Pay, Venmo, Cash App, you know. Any way to get legal currency, we'll take it. You want to play us some marching music? Sure, I can try. Hold your money up high so the kids can see it.
have a check and you want to bring it up, the adults can go ahead and bring it up. Are your boxes? Show me the money. Now you realize you're getting ready to build hospitals and uh, churches and all that. And I don't think it's necessarily in another country anymore. So you guys are doing awesome. God is. Is he a little G or is he a big G? He's a big G and he needs to know it. He deserves it. You're here instead of the hospital, so let's hear it. I stand amazed. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. Wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. Singing how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. He took my sin and my sorrows. He took my sins and my sorrows, he made them his very own. And he bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. Thinking how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. something glory his face I last shall see it will be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me how marvelous how wonderful and my song shall ever be how marvelous how wonderful is my Savior's love for me let's go through that again how marvelous how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Amen. Amen. Yell out, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. That is not a yell out. Once again, I'm the deaf person here. Do it again. I love you, Jesus. Awesome. Let's continue with the spirit of worship as we praise the Waymaker. You are here. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. 
that we may go through, that we feel like there is no way 
of coming back up, he still provides that way. Always that door and that way back to the light, back to him. So let's continue to worship for who he is and who he says we are. against me. 
prayer for prayer you just made a statement that you are a child of God now the devil is going to get up all in your space and he's going to say well you just messed up well yes I did but I have a gracious God well you just failed yes I did but I can get up okay you have a place sometimes our place is right here this altar is open I'm learning to be an intercessor that's a really hard job. Any of you that have done it, please tell me how much better I can do it. We have to fight the good fight. Rakasha. That is what the Hebrews would say before they go to battle. If you have a loved one that you need to pray for, if you have an illness that you need to pray for, you need to represent yourself and them down here at the altar or turn around in your seat. Some of us can't kneel and get up. I get that. You just, you better pray out to God. So right now, this is your opportunity to rock a shot. Stand firm that you're the child of God. You are worthy to pray for these people. You are worthy to lift them up that God will listen to you. He is a God who hears. Hallelujah. Christ is my reward and all my devotion. Now there's nothing in this world that could ever satisfy. Through every trial, my soul will sing. No turning back, I've been set free. Christ is enough. Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. And everything I need is in you. Everything I need, Christ, my all in all, the joy of my salvation. And this hope will never fail. And this hope will never fail. Heaven is our home. My soul will sing, Jesus is here, to God be the glory, Christ is enough for me, Christ is enough for me, it's everything I need. Everything I need, I have decided. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided. 
guide me, no turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. Christ is enough. And Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in you. And everything I need. Spirit is moving in this place this morning. I pray that we would continue to be open for that move. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that your Spirit has moved and is moving here in our midst. God, I pray, dear Lord, the lives that have been touched right now, God, that you would Continue to be with them, God, those that brought their lost loved ones to this altar, the ones that brought struggles to this altar, God, the ones that came just simply to praise and to thank you for what you have done and where you have brought them from. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you will bless them. Uh, you know, you heard their cries and their prayers. And God, we thank you so much for that. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I do thank you again, dear Lord, for being with us. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you would receive the glory from this and from the remainder of this service, God, as we glorify you. I pray that you would receive it as a sweet incense unto you. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you. Amen. As the ushers make their way forward, I'm going to take the opportunity to do something that I've just, it's just came to me. Okay, so we're going to do this. Um, Allison, don't go anywhere. Jimmy and Glenda, don't go anywhere. I just put y'all on the spot. That's okay. This family has been through a lot. Mason has faced a lot. Jimmy and Glenda has been a member of this church longer than I have. As their church family, I think that we need to praise God and we need to thank God because Mason, and because God's hand has been upon Mason, but Mason gets to go to Washington, D.C. and to have a surgery that he desperately needs. But this family needs help to get to D.C. So, if not today... But sometime next month, they leave in April, right? His surgery is 19th? 18th. They have five weeks that they have to spend in D.C. We need to help. Just ask God what you can help with. It might be that you just simply load their car up with groceries on the way out. Don't know. 
but be obedient to what God would have for you to do. If God has you to give money, send it to the church. Okay? Market love offering. And Darla will know where it goes. And we'll make sure that it gets to them and to supply their needs. Okay? Thank you. Y'all may be seated. <laughs> There's going to be some other things we're going to do. Uh, fundraiser, I think the uh, women are already in the talks about doing a uh, yard sale. Um, and we might have a chef that might come in and cook a dinner for us or something like that to, uh, to help as well. Uh, you know, but let's just uh, you know, help them and pray for them throughout all of this. Okay? David, can you uh, lead us in prayer? What's his first name? Bill, Bill Bennett. Bennett. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Billy, Bill Bennett. Let's go ahead and let's. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's go ahead and, and pray for him right now. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit will begin to draw Bill, uh, you know, Bennett right now, and that he will give the words to the men that's going to go and that's going to visit with him. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit's got to do the drawing, but we have to be willing to be the voice. Okay, so let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, right now, God, we pray, dear Lord, that your spirit, God, would begin to work in the life of Bill Bennett. God, I pray, dear Lord, that he would sense this drawing and this call. And God, that you would soften his heart, dear Lord, for uh, you know, the time whenever Jimmy and whatever man from the church goes and witnesses to him. God, that he would be receptive to the word and God, that he would respond to the drawing of your spirit and that he would receive you as his Lord and Savior. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we pray and we call out upon him. God, you hear this. You hear our calls. And God, we pray, dear Lord, for the, for the uplifting, dear Lord, for the growth in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We believe in that. Amen. good. Amen. It's good to have everybody here today. I, I'm excited about the service today. As I was, as I was sitting here, uh, I, I thought of a way that I could fix the baptistry. We're going to have a baptism today. You know, we have water in the baptismal pool now, see, my day, my week, okay, so I, I got up this, you know, early this week, and I'm like, I'm like okay, we're going to have a baptism Sunday morning, so I need to make sure that the baptismal pool is going to work, okay, so I got in, I turned the water on, I got the water running in it, turned the water on, and I set my timer for it to, you know, to make sure that it didn't overflow. I, I wanted to make sure I didn't flood the sanctuary again by the baptistry, so I set my timer and before my timer went off, Peggy comes running in and she goes, you need to go check the baptistry. I think it's going to overflow. 
I come running in and it was almost to the top, but it, it wasn't going to overflow. It still had another step to go. I was safe. I was okay. So I shut it off. And then I was like, but the pump didn't kick on to run it through to heat the water up. So I was like, I was like, what's going on? So I called our electrician. So Booger comes, uh, you know, and Booger's back there and he's looking at it and he's like, well, pastor, did it shut off on its own or did you shut it off? I'm like, I shut it off. He goes, it's supposed to shut off on its own. And whenever it shuts off on its own, it then kicks it on. I'm like, oh, okay, I got that. So I turned the water back on and sure enough, shortly after that, it kicked off. It filled everything up, shut the water off turned the heater pump on and sucked it in and started circulating. I'm like, man, that's great. I, you know, it's working fine, not going to have any problems. So came in Tuesday. I picked up the thermostat or the thermometer that was in the water and stuff. It said 120 degrees. I'm like, wow, that's a crawfish bowl. So I had to work on it. So I called David in. So my, another, my next electrician, I called David in to come and help us with it. So David got in there, and we're crawling around up underneath there, and we got no water. I mean, I flipped the switch, no water come on, nothing. I'm like, well, at least I had water, David, before you and I got involved in this. <laughs> so, I, you know, I called a plumber, and I'm sitting there, we're waiting for the plumber and stuff. I'm thinking, I'm like, well, I'm like, if I reverse these two wires on here, it should work, right? I can't, I can't do too much damage if I just simply reverse these two wires. So I reverse those two wires. I got water. See, look, it's full. So then I'm like, okay, now that it's full and I got the water in here, if I reverse these two wires back, it'll turn the heater on and it'll suck the water in and turn the heater on and heat it up. So I reverted those two wires back. We got water. It was 62 degrees. I'm like, that's not good. So I left it. Came back the next day and checked it. And I was like all excited. I was like, yes, it's 64 degrees. <laughs> I had my meeting with the people that's being baptized. They're like, Pastor, 64 degrees isn't good enough. <laughs> so I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, I'm like, you know what? If I would take some of that water out to where it would automatically kick that on, but then invert those wires to where it turned on the pump instead of turning on the water. It would work, right? Y'all want to try that? Okay, all right. Well, we have the right switch coming back in. We, you know, obviously, uh, you know, yeah. Don't let your pastor work on the baptistry, okay? Uh, you know, it, it was working. Now it's not working. It was, it, but we have a switch coming in, and hopefully David's going to replace it for us. And we're not going to rely upon pastor to replace it. But we are going to have a baptism. And I did get it up to 80 degrees this morning. I boiled six big pots of water. So at least it was warm. I just thought y'all would like to know how my week went. I thought that was hilarious. On how we had water, it was working, but it was too hot. I fixed it. It's not hot now. 
We got water now, too, yeah. Let's look at the passage of Scripture that God has for us today. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 13. Whenever we look at this, I want us to see that Paul is, is bringing us and he is walking us through this process and through this life that we have or that we should have now that we have received the Holy Spirit that he prayed for us back in chapter 3 and now we're supposed to live this lifestyle and, and here Paul is going to come in in this passage of scripture and he is going to give us four gifts that he gives to the church. Now I, I want you to make sure that you understand that these are the gifts that he gives to the church. Now, these are not the only gifts that Christ gives to us because we have the gift of the Holy Spirit that he gives to us that deals with uh, you know, love, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. Uh, you know, those are gifts that we receive from the Holy Spirit, but these are gifts that he has given to the church. Okay, so I want us to remember that, that these are specifically for the church. So let's look at this passage of Scripture, beginning with verse 7. It says, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What, do, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower, lower earth, re earth, earthly region? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers their responsibility, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until until we all come to unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So we have this. So Paul is going in and he's going to talk to this and he says, but each one of you, so I want us to take this and each one of you would be each would be every single believer in Jesus Christ. Each one. So it is individualistic, but remember the gifts are for the church. The gifts are for the uplifting and the glorification of God our Father. So the gift that we have is not just a gift for us. It's a gift that we can glorify God with. But then it's also something else because it is to build the church. You, you get this? The gift 
that you have been given is so that you, through your life, can glorify God. But we are all part of the body of Christ. Therefore, the gift that we have been given is to be used for the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the church. Now, it's not just this church. It's the church of all, all believers. So our gift that we have been given, and I want you to understand this, every person has been given a gift. We've been given a gift according to according to his grace. So, that's why, well, no. The gift that we have is given to us according to the grace of God so that we can accomplish a task that he has for us. There's more than one leader in this church, right? But each leader has a different amount of leadership skills to accomplish the task that God has for them. I see some smiles because on our Wednesday night Bible study, we were going through and, uh, you know, and being a graceful leader. They say that every single person is a leader. So every single person has a part or has, a, has the ability to lead. Some have more than others. Because of the task that you have, you have more hard-headed people in front of you, so you need better skills or more skills. Is that the way? No, I'm kidding. But whenever we think about this, each one of us has a skill, and the person says the skills that we have, all the gifts that we have been given, is to be used for the uplifting and for the glorification of God. So if you're sitting here today thinking that you don't have a gift, you're wrong. You've been gifted. If you look at the person that's sitting next to you and you're like, well, they're a whole lot smarter than I am. Or they're a whole lot better at this than I am. Then I must not have gotten that gift. No. You've been given the gift for the task that you have before you. Amen. We must use it for the purpose that it's been given to us for. Okay, so I've set that up, right? So we all know, we all understand that we all have a gift. And the gift that we've been given is to be used to glorify God and for the edification of the church, the body of Christ, and for the growth of the church, the building of God's church. It's what it's supposed to be used for. But then Paul goes in, and, and I, I, man, I, I love this. Paul goes in and kind of confuses us a little bit, right? And he says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives 
and gave gifts to his people. He ascended on high and then he, kind of, he tries to explain it. What does it mean to ascend? It means accept that he also descended, okay, to the lower parts of the earth. So I want to break this down. I really want us to get this, to get this understanding of this for us, okay? So the one that ascended had to descend. So Paul has given us the authority or telling us why Jesus Christ is the one that gives us the gifts. He gives us the gifts because he's the one that descended. So in other words, he was in heaven. He was in heaven. He descended to earth. His incarnate on Christmas morning, we celebrated his birth. He relinquished being God and became man. He descended from heaven. Therefore, he's the only one that can ascend because he's the only one that has descended. He's ascended or he's descended, therefore he can ascend, but he ascends above the heavens to fill the universes. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 10. You must have the same attitude that Christ... No, not that one. Sorry. <laughs> Man, I got my notes spread all over the place. I'm going to go with this one here. The attitude that Christ Jesus had, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. This is the right passage of Scripture, so come along with me. If you're there, it's Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 10. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took the human position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Whoo, amen, amen, right? Paul tells us that he descended, we have here in Philippians, that talks about that he returned or he relinquished his godship and he came to this earth to be a human being. It said that he humbled himself to be a slave. He lived here on this earth and then he died a criminal's death and his father raised him from the grave and gave him the name above all names and raised him above all people that all that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. He is the only one that has lived on this earth and lived a perfect life. 
But let's think about it. In John chapter 1, John takes us all the way back to the beginning and says that the Word was with God and the Word was God, right? Jesus Christ was with God in the beginning before everything made. And there is absolutely nothing that is made, that is created, that was not created through Jesus Christ. Therefore, he has the authority and the ability to give gifts to whoever he wants to give a gift to. Do you not not see this? He alone is worthy to give gifts. There is no other human being that can give you the gift like he gives. He gives it to us so that we can help other people to see who he is. So that we can glorify his father. Oh, but wait a minute. We got something else in here. Because it says that he didn't, not only did he come to the earth, but he did what? Paul said he went to the lower earth. Now I'm going to try to get technical with you, but I'm going to try to make this just as easy and as simple as I can possibly do. Whenever Jesus Christ died on the cross, he was put into the tomb. He went to the lower parts of the earth. Why did he go to the lower parts of the earth? Because he was defeating sin and death. He had to go and he had to get the keys to release the ones that was there. Now it would be they were there in Shiloh or they were there in paradise or they were there in Abraham's bosom. Because all people, every every person that was created had to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The ones that passed away, that died before Jesus paid the price. Jesus had to go into the lower parts of the earth. He had to witness to them. They had to accept him as their Lord and Savior. And then what does he do? Oh, come on, guys. Y'all got to get along with this, man. Y'all got to, let's get excited about this, okay? Because whenever a king... Whenever a king would win the battle, what would they do? They would bring all the spoils out, and they would bring all the captive out, and they would parade them through the city. Come on now with me. Jesus goes down into the earth. He gets the keys from Satan. He defeats death and sin, and then he parades it right past them. Woo! You got it? He parades it. He makes a parade. He says, here's the ones that believed in me. And they're coming right along with me. And then he takes them up into the air. And he passes Satan. And he says, look, Satan, you lost. I've got all these people with me. Woo! Oh, my goodness, man. I'm sorry I'm too excited. Man, but do you see what Jesus Christ did? He came to earth. He relinquished his godship. So that I would be able to be called a child of God. He died on the cross. He went down to where Satan was. Where his demons were at down there. And he takes his people. He says, I'm victorious. And all these people that's following me, they're victorious. No longer bound by sin. No longer captured in death. 
I got to slow down and take my breath. Let me take a little sip of water. I want to make sure here. I want you to understand this. Shiloh, paradise, Abraham's bosom is no longer there. Jesus Christ and his death, and whenever he came out, he did away with it. Oh, man. Scripture goes in and says that he takes the captives of the captives. Okay. Captives is going to be the enemies. Okay, so a king goes in and he captives, he captures the enemy. The captives would have been his men that was captured in the battle. And he releases them. Oh, man. I'm going to say this because I want you to see the power. Whenever Jesus came, do you think that any of those people that didn't recognize God saw the power in Jesus Christ and what he accomplished and followed with them? I'm just thinking, I'm just wondering. Dr. Richard will most probably correct me whenever I get through with this. Could it be that some of the angels that fell with Satan now understood the power of Jesus Christ and they followed. See, he won the fight and he paraded them right past. Satan, the prince of the airs, as he's taken his captives, the ones that believe in him, taken them up to heaven to be with his father. How many of y'all have ever been on a float in a parade? And you wave. See ya. Right? That should get us stirred up, right? He's won the victory. He's taken us with him. He's going to come back, right? He's going to come back and he's going to get us and we're going to fly right in front of Satan. Wow. But we got to move on, right? Because then we get into the gifts. And we get to the gifts and it says that he gave gifts to the, he gave apostles as a gift to the church. He gave prophets as a gift to the church. He gave evangelists as a gift to the church. He gave pastors and teachers. You can put pastors and teachers together as one, that's okay. You can put pastors and you can say there's pastors and there's teachers, that's okay. But if you're a pastor and you're not a teacher, I, I don't know. But he gave us these, right? And then it says, their responsibility 
Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church. I want you to see this. Because there is a task that each and every one of you have that God has specifically gifted you for. Are you going to complete that task? He's given you a task right here in Rock Hill First Church of the Nazarene. Are you going to complete that task? Do you trust in Him enough that the grace, by His grace, He gave you the gift that you needed to complete the task that He has for you? If you do, it says that this is supposed to continue Until we all come to unity in our faith. We are supposed to continue this. We are supposed to continue working and doing what God has placed us here. Until we all are unified or together in our faith. I want to read this for you just to make sure I get it right. Unity is not uniformity and is perfectly consistent with diversity of gifts. God's gracious relation to all is also a personal relation to each one and a personal ministry through each one thus Paul moves from the unity of believers to the uniqueness of believers God is a God of grace because he is a God who freely gives it has nothing to do with anything we have done or have failed to do. It can only be received. God is gracious because he who is. Not because of who or what we are. His grace is therefore unmerited. Unearned. Undeserved. And dependent entirely upon the one who gives it, not on the one who receives it. Grace in which we stand is not only saves, but enables, and that is the sense of the term that Paul has here. Paul makes it clear that grace is given to every believer the term of grace signifies that 
what is given, not especially gifts, that's indicated, that's the indications that we have in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, or 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 10. But the grace that works in and shows itself through the life of a believer, of a believer, this grace is the enabling power that makes the special gift function to the glory of God. The gift that we have is not because we've done anything, but it's because of all that he is. That's why Paul makes sure that we understand his worthiness to give the gift. That's why I'm so excited about the worthiness and about Jesus Christ and what he has done for each and every one of us. That makes him worthy of being able to give me the gift for the task that he has for me. It's nothing that I've done or that I haven't done. But it's everything that he's done. And we use it for the building of his kingdom. Not for us. For the building of his kingdom. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, dear Lord, for the words that you have given to us. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you'll continue to guide and to direct us. In Jesus' name, amen.